0: I cannot wait to see you. Charissa Garcia tells stories of migration and colonization. As an interdisciplinary visual artist, a painter, a printmaker, and installation master, she uses objects like life jackets, suitcases, mattresses, tents, umbrellas, and newspaper clippings to evoke powerful questions of what it means to belong. Hi,
1: Hi. Thank you. Come on in. This, this is delicious. so beautiful. I love this. <laughs> so, we can forward your head, please, because you're tall. I don't have that issue. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's just. <laughs> So do you live here as well, or are you just work? No, 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 this is our house. Um, no, this is a home and a studio. So what do you want to do? do? you want me to go downstairs to show you some of the work, or? Let's sit down and let's talk. Just you tell and me. Then, and
0: then we can do that. Yeah.
1: So you tell me when I am speaking too fast. There's no such thing. No? Okay, good, because you know I am fast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is so cool. Thank you for having us here in your studio. I feel like this is a sacred space, so thank you for making room for us.
1: My pleasure. <laughs> how long has this been your studio? And now that I am thinking about it, it's been my studio for 18 years. Wow. Yes, home my studio. <laughs> yes. What, how does it change your relationship to your work when you live and work in the same place? You know, I always have... Done this, like doing home in a studio. And then what I did actually was to try to be outside, to see if that separation, you know, worked for me. And it didn't. I realized that everything that is my life as a mother, as a wife, of a sister, as a, you know, friend, uh, on a colleague, is all connected. As a matter of fact, even my teaching is like a continuation of myself. So then for me, this nesting concept of having everything like in the same place works for me. And that doesn't mean that it works for everybody, but for me, it works. Let's say, like at 2 o'clock in the morning, I feel like I need to do something. I feel I, I don't need to have that idea of transit, of going one place to another. I feel that I am like in my territory. Are you down here working at two in the morning? Uh, yeah, sometimes I do that. And sometimes, but I am a morning person, so usually it's more like earlier. Mm-hmm. But like if so many times I can't sleep because I had this thing and I need to get out <laughs> because I feel like I need to write. Or So that is one of those very convenient things. Also, I like to have all my books around. I like to have my memories around, my work is very connected, very embedded in history and Mm -hmm. and memory. So I guess that also influences the fact that for me, this whole idea of having everything together, you know, makes sense. Also, you know, this idea of like layers of things, that is also part of my work, you know, then it's maybe connected to the idea that I had to have everything, like as part of my suitcase. Like I, I live with my suitcase with all the things that are important to me in one place. What is the first thing you ever created? I, I mean that's a very hard thing to say, but or to remember. But I was always involved in the arts all my life. Um, I was discussing that because, like, I the the book and the interviews and all that. I had to kind of like take a look at my life, you know, like as a spectator. And I, I, I. I come from a home that this was normal. The idea of like drawing. My father is a designer. It draws. My mother was in theater, music. So we were very involved in that kind of like expression. Was important. That's something very much. Um, but I clearly uh, I remember uh, when I used to make drawings of uh, Asian. Asian people, everything, everybody had to be Chinese. I was completely fascinated by everything that was from China. And all the buildings I would draw were from China. And then I also was very much um, into decorating every notebook in my my friends in kindergarten and pre-K. So I was very involved always with the idea of, idea of aesthetics. I was very fascinated by uh, culture of other people. Like I was curious about the world dance around me. I was, I, and I am, to this day, I am in love with this planet. So you're a little
0: kid doodling on everything. When is the first time that
1: someone says, hey, I think you might be very good at this? When, uh, like, well, when I went to school. My parents, you know, they, everybody says, oh, you know, she decided, it's is Come from that a lot of people like that in the home, at home, so I am like normal. When I get to school, I realized that was something, I was different with that. Like I, people would like look for me to do this. Like I became the artist in residence since I was very young, you know? And mm-hmm. I, if you needed a Mickey Mouse, I will do it for you. I was in kinder. Flintstone, I will do it for you. Like I, I realized it was kind of like, also then I use it as a way to, to make friends. The first meeting between teachers and parents my the teacher said señorita Erza, that was her name said she is a artist <laughs> yes
0: i had this professor in college who contended that the reason that there were so many like great male artists is because at some point there was a kid drawing on a rock and someone would walk past them and say you have talent and i want to invest in you and that wasn't happening to young girls, and it's part of why you have this gender disparity in the early days of the art world. Who invested in you? Who who said, we
1: can do this, we can invest in this, you can actually make a living doing this? I am very lucky in many things. You know, it's, you know in the important things in life, I had to say, I come from a family where women are very powerful. Like, I cannot even talk about me without making references of my grandmother, my aunts, my mother, and, and, and all these sisters. So I never felt that I even had to worry about the guys, which became a problem when I was a teenager. I was very social. I, I love people. But when I became a teenager, then society became more obvious to me when the saw them, they saw that there were more advantages or more uh, set opportunities for, for, for males, like that was like, what are you talking about? Because I never felt less or, than I never felt than. Oh, I had to compromise because that was no part mm. of my, my family conversation. And then when I went outside, it was like, that's another planet. So in a way, I didn't have that. I had to find a way to navigate society that I understood soon enough that I did not belong. You know, so that was something that was very hard for me. And for a while, I became very quiet, trying to find my space and trying to find uh, a space where I could be um, who I am, you know, really. And then my parents were very supportive of, like, making sure I went to study uh, abroad, you know, and I was... Uh, than I was going to really follow uh, the arts. You consider yourself a storyteller. Which stories do you most want to tell? My story, the one that is always at the root of everything, is the idea of inclusion, of that we are all connected. That's something that is always there in my story. The connection, like uh, we really are connected. Of course, everything that I tell... I have my tactics, my visual tactics of engage you in a conversation of connection that is not exactly like a fairy tale of a Disney thing. I I talk about sometimes uh, things that are hard, are sad, are tragic, but I mask everything as a way to heal with beauty. I make sure everything that I do is beautiful. So I engage you with beauty to engage in a conversation that, not necessarily is going to be comfortable. But it's important. So give me a specific example of where you do that. For example, if you see all my work, you're gonna see lots of uh, figures. A lot of a lot of pieces you you really don't know if they women of the but they are always yawn. And which always talks about hope and beginning. Also they usually cinnamon color. When I do all the cinnamon-colored pieces, it's because I want to make sure I tell the stories of everybody. I don't want to exclude anybody. But that is informed by the fact that I am from the Caribbean. I may look a little bit like a stereotype of somebody Arab or Spanish. But in my skin, I have Africa. In my skin, I have lots of Spanish that was already mixed with Jewish you know, and B.C. Goth and whatever passed by that Iberian Peninsula. You know, I have lots of uh, French also. And I have also, you know, that mix together and a little bit of Sangat, Native American. And <laughs> all that tells me, how can I discriminate? How can I just tell one part of a story? So then I mix all the colors of the palette. And when you mix all the colors of the palettes, which that by itself is the action of inclusion, because you're taking everything and you're making them part of a conversation. So take everything, mix it together. That's the action of inclusion. And then the outcome of that mix is cinnamon color. So all my pieces are about us, all of us. So these stories are usually about colonization, Usually about the contradictions of like the the winter with the summer, you know they have a lot of uh, iconography of Catholicism. Where if you really pay attention to it, it's a criticism to something that I understand very well, coming from a Catholic uh, country. You know I play a lot with the idea that I really colonize the colonizer. Yeah, you give me the language, the Spanish language you. Give me the uh, the Christianity of a tool that help the genocide, you know, and also supposedly. Uh, but you know, by baptism we became, you know, like uh, a people, <laughs> you know. So let me tell you, with, the, with uh, all the experience in America, the, this part of this continent com- completely transform everything, transform the entire globe, you know. This whole thing of like, yeah, they 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 did this, they did that, but we as the consequence of that genocide, the consequences of all that bad things, we became victors. We, we have victory because we create something new. We hack everything that came from the other side, and we make it newer and better, in my opinion.
0: Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club.
1: Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the LA area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events.
0: When it comes to fertility, lots of us have been told, just wait and see. But now we have tools to help us plan and track everything, our finances, our steps. Why is this one thing still? Wait and see. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159, and you get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com Latina, you can get $20 off your test. Plus, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can use that money on Modern Fertility. You'll get insights into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and any reproductive red flags. The results go in-depth into what every hormone means, You can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Latina. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Latina. modernfertility.com slash Latina.
1: Be careful here. Okay, be careful here. This is my daughter's area because she's also in the arts. And the little one too. But, um, so I have to divide with all these crazy people. <laughs> so this is one of the inner clips. It's a huge volume of work. It's a lot of stuff here. But <laughs> well, see, in these things, from, I have everything like, this is some of the pieces I do before I start the enormous ones.
0: Why do you love the gold so much?
1: Because gold is always the colonizers were selshin when they were crossing the Atlantic. So then also I like to mask everything with the idea of golden land, you know, because we, they found the golden land. The thing is that we are, th- this consequence of us, I think, is what is golden. So I kind of lo- love to play with that idea of like everything is golden, you know, because it's masking or the suffering and or the, uh, the, uh, the struggle, you know. But it has to be beautiful, because there is something beautiful also. Then it's the way to survive. So, uh, beauty is survival. I am always navigating in these waters of beauty and tragedy. <laughs> That's what I like to say. More <laughs> water.
0: How does one of your projects go from concept to exhibit?
1: Okay, I, I, well, I live in my head
0: apparently, I,
1: apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so I have all these ideas and I talk a lot and I love to share things I I write I draw I do a lot of, I have a lot of like sketchbooks so I think I think I think and then I and I read a lot I I am I always like investigating like I get into my uh, what I like to say FBI mode I agree a lot until I decide that it's enough. It's enough and I need to work. And then it, it becomes um, drawings, paintings, installation, uh, animations, depending on how I want to express it. But, but like the idea, I allowed myself to give the, these ideas different roads. And that's why I am like so baroque because I feel that it cannot be so simple then the conversation gets bigger and more complex. And then I feel that like I can never finish it. So then that's why my work, and you can see people that think, oh, she is a painter. And the other people completely from another group of people, oh, no, no, she's an inst- installator. And other people say, no, 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 i seen her sculptures. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I am all that.
0: <laughs> Do you ever have a moment in the middle of one of these creations where you just
1: want to burn the whole thing down? Yeah. I don't like anything I do, basically. Basically. Always. I always uh, question. And I, because, you know, I know something that I know is positive at the end of the night. It is then I, when I feel too secure, I know that's not a good sign. When I know I, there is more possibilities and I feel like, oh, maybe this is not it. But the, the making It is really dominating the thinking. So it's this conversation between my head and the making. This is what I am in a fabulous area. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to love it. But I also understand that I had to be brave enough as an artist than to exhibit it, to
0: show it. I, I work most of the time in live television. And I think part of the reason I have to work in live television is because I assume nothing would ever get done. (laughs) <laughs> could, things could always be better, and so there's something sort of it's thrilling obvious, yes. about about being on live television. Because like at some point, it just it's it's got to go. It's as good as it is, and it's yes. done.
1: You do not have that reality. So for you, when is something done? I um, it, it's when I feel like I, if I put one more blood stroke or more line, it's gonna be damaged. <laughs> so mm. so and, and the good thing about that is that it's a very it's, it's instinct. It's very in, in, intuitive. You know, it's like something that it doesn't have a rule of how finished it looks. It is about that feeling that I have to stop. This is it.
0: Your work is often described as deeply political. Do you agree?
1: You know, we are political. The moment we come, you come to this world, you know, we are in, inside the politics of a family. The, we had to navigate the politics of a society. So, yes, I am political because I am a person. Do you feel that that word gets attributed to you more because you're a woman of color, because you're an immigrant? I am sure. I am sure because it's also a, a part of the game to make you provocative and difficult. You know, but I am, you know, like I said before, I am nobody afraid of those things. Provocative and difficult. <laughs> When you talk about the Hispanic
0: Caribbean, you yes. often talk about questioning paradise. Yes. You grew up in the Dominican Republic. Did you grow up believing that it was
1: paradise? No. No. Um, no. But, I, but do I love my country with a passion? Yes, I do. <laughs> I love the Caribbean. My All my work is a love letter to the Caribbean. But the Caribbean that I see as the paradise is this unique voice of survival. From the carnival, it's a way to survive, once again, the oppression. From the mixing of people. That's the Caribbean and the paradise that I love. The way that we we talk about paradise in in, in terms of religion, for example, Mm -hmm. it is such a joke then it's almost, in my opinion, offensive to the public. Mm. You know, and also, it completely contradicts the idea that how it's presented. The same way that the Caribbean is presented that we all are all about piña colada. Like we are all like all about dancing and being flared, you know. That is not true. It's, 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 it's the, the Caribbean. It is the area that is the beginning of the American dream. That's where that was born. I mean, think about how Complex is the history of the Caribbean. That is the first step to the history of the continent and then the colonization of the other countries. You know, imagine that was the the place where they first basically construct a road that was European. It's the first church, the first baptism. Those are big deals, and then when they and that was the in the the islands of la uh, la española, Dominican Republic and Haiti. Imagine, that was the first um uh, island with the first cargo of africans.
0: I am not an immigrant myself and yet I really grapple with this question of what is home? Mm. Is it Union City, New Jersey where I grew up? <laughs> yes. Is it Miami where I got married and had my babies? Oh, look. Um <laughs> Is it Cuba, which is this, for me, sort of mythological place Mm -hmm. that I have never been and yet holds a piece of my heart? Yes. (laughs) Or is home not a place and rather a sense of belonging? Yes.
1: What do you consider home? Uh, Exactly what you were talking about. I think home is where you feel that you belong to. So it can be anywhere. So I am am a pirate when it comes to that. I feel very connected to people that have nothing to do with geography. (laughs) It can be from the other side of the planet. But there is something about the sense of belonging that that feel connected. That that makes home like socio-organic territory. So it's very emotional. I both
0: feel that and then I also feel completely unmoored. Right Where it's so much easier to say it's easier
1: I am, I am in Brooklyn this is my townhouse, this is my home like this is, this is it mm-hmm. it's easier it's easier but I, I refuse to go for comfortable hmm. you know and I I like to say I, as a matter of fact to continue the conversation which I think is great because he, he, this conversation I have with my own daughters um I always say you know oh where are you from oh Dominican Republic and now I am saying Dominican Republic originally. Because I can no erase half my life in New York. And I adore New York City. I love it. I mean, I, I, you've I now been in. You've now been in, in New York longer than you were in the uh, Dominican Republic. Basically, so you know what I say? Dominican York. But now, <laughs> now, I now sometimes I feel that I, I shouldn't say that because I feel very Caribbean. In
0: preparing for this conversation, I read lots of reviews of your work. And it sort of struck me as frustrating uh, how subjective Those reviews are, (laughs) and also how those subjective analyses are presented as truth. Oh yeah. Um, it must be also satisfying when someone sees it and really gets it the way that you intended it. Do you read reviews? Yeah, I hate reviews. Thank you for being honest about that because I've also had people be like, "Oh, I never read the reviews." And like, "Mm -hmm." "Oh, I do." (laughs) I think I
1: think I like. You know what? I like to know. I like to know. I, I am like I told you, I, I am a control freak. I like to know because I it helps it helps. Does it impact it, your work? No. No. Because I like I say I am very bossy too. Like I know what I want and I know who I am. The most important thing for me is to be truthful to me. And uh, as say artist is you are always on search of a truth, you know? And that tooth doesn't have to really apply for everybody. But I've been always very um I feel very fortunate in the people that have written things about me. They many times they say things that I am so close to it and I don't yes, see it. it yeah. And but they unveil things that are great. And do you wanna have people that won't don't like your work? Of course. But since when, like I said before, the moment you are too comfortable and everybody adores you, that's a problem. That's a problem. Because then you 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 never going to question yourself or be inspired to self-assessment. And you do need that.
0: It strikes me that there is a distinction between being an artist and being a working artist. How does one make a living as a visual artist?
1: Well, yeah, this is a very good question because this question is being in the conversation this entire week. I and mean, today is only for mm. this day. Yes. Um, yeah, well i one thing that I feel very fortunate is that I've been able i I teach, which is something that I started doing really like ten years ago at parsons and but also i I have a background as a designer as well and i and I have a lot of like experiences and that were very important and define so much of my work because of those experiences. Um, one thing that for me is very important is I I I am an artist and since I was very young. I, I had galleries. I have representation of galleries in many different occasions with different countries, you know. And I always been able to sell, which no everybody can do, and no everybody has been, because I sometimes I'm so like has no logic. Okay. Then also. I am very practical in the way I am. I think if you have a tool and you can find a way with any gift or tool of of, of talent you have to sustain your practice and don't worry about money, that is a wonderful way to get freedom. Mm-hmm. I find so many artists full of anger, frustrated, depressed, only thinking about f- the $5 that they're going to get tomorrow because there is this this pressure of like, if you are no a real artist, if you do this or that. I think people have to find how they feel comfortable, you know, doing where they still feel that integrity is there. But they definitely have to find ways to produce because that's important, you know, and that teach you a lot about the audience you want to to appeal to. How do you become represented
0: as a visual artist?
1: Uh, There are many ways. It's either you, you, one thing that I do is then, for example, if somebody comes here to my, my, you, you get a lot of curators, art historians, then somehow you meet because you're in a show and they like your work and then they take your contact, they call you up and then from there you meet another curator or another art historian and then from those you get to be in other shows and then you are exposed to more people. And then and and then there is always a gallerist and then or somebody that, that is a dealer somehow. And that's how you start, you know, making the and then they come to see your work. And then that's how you start like making these uh these connections and you can be represented. But also that's the way how you recommend your friends.
0: Pablo Picasso said, all children are born artists. The problem is to remain an artist as we grow up. How can the rest of us who will never be an artist the way you are maintain a little bit of that artist that we're born with?
1: So I will say that never, never lose curiosity. That would be my thing. And, and be open enough to be inspired and surprised. Because that's hope. And you, that's that keep you young.
0: Here I am thinking it's like a good skincare routine, sí, and sí. it's your curiosity.
1: Oh, oh yeah, let's see what happens. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. Well, but oh, but let me say, I love creams <laughs> and good smells. Shahrazade, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure, completely. I mean, it was really a pleasure. <laughs>
0: Thank you, as always, for joining us. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua-Williams and me, Alicia Menendez. Cedric Wilson is our mixer. Emma Forbes is our assistant producer we love hearing from you. We really do. Email us at hola at latinacom And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. And please leave a review. It is one of the quickest ways to help us grow as a community. Finally, be sure to follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. We're at Latina to Latina.